take a moment to welcome each and every one of us to week five of a very important series. I know many of you have been enjoying your small groups. I've been hearing testimonies of a lot of different people going through new relationships, people connecting around these values that we've been talking about. It's worth it 2.0. I wanna welcome our McKinney campus, welcome our Hazlitt campus, all of those of you joining us online, maybe someone watching in a video venue at our Keller campus. It's been an exciting time and I'm glad that all of you are joining us this weekend. Well, I'm gonna give you several Bible verses as we talk about a very important topic this weekend in value number five. We're talking about generosity, and generosity is bigger than just our financial resources. Really, the truth is, it's a spirit and an atmosphere that pervades your life. It's not possible, really, to be both generous and selfish at the same time. Uh, generosity is something that, again, begins to, to grow, develop, and, and become something that really just flows out of your life, and, and, and cultures are set by it. Atmospheres are set by it. There's, there's just as I talked about spiritual family last week, you can walk into an atmosphere where it feels like home, it, it feels like family. You know, the same is true when you walk into an atmosphere that's life-giving, that's generous, that, that's thinking about others, you can also feel a place where it's primarily, I'm thinking about my own preservation, I'm thinking about my own security, my own self. You, you can feel the difference in a person you can feel it in the difference in a group of people. If you're new to this series, it's worth it 2.0. We're at our 20 year mark as a church and I just chose to take this time. It's like as a pastor, you get a pass. 20 years, it's like you just get a, get a chance to talk about the values that have made up the atmosphere that is Milestone Church. Uh, these values, I want us to preserve them. I want us to protect them. And especially for some of you that are new, I want you to get them. I want you to receive them and become those values. I see them as not just our values, but I see them as biblical values. Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable where there's a man who finds a treasure in a field, and the context of those parables is the kingdom of God, and he's willing to buy the whole field just to get the treasure, and the Bible says he walks away with joy. I know that all of these values are a bit countercultural. They're a bit counterintuitive, they mess with you, they tug at you. This week it will for sure. But we also know, just like Jesus said, when we embrace biblical kingdom values, when we overcome our fear and we step into them and we trust God with it, then what happens is we experience a joy. We experience that God truly is bigger than we could ever imagine. He's, he's better than we ever thought, that he does have our best interest in mind it's just true in every aspect of the character of God or any kingdom value. And as I said, this week, it's one of the cultural values that people experience every time they interact with Milestone Church. Value number five is generosity. Um, I've been telling you as a church since the very beginning, when a lot of times we didn't know if we would make it in different seasons where things were challenging, from the very beginning, I would say to you, you're a generous church. And I knew that was at the heart of our church. I knew that's where the people that I pastor uh, live and desire to be. 
But the, the fact is, sometimes I would be saying it by faith, and as our church would grow, we'd have new people coming in. They're receiving from what they've experienced in the generous culture, but have, have not maybe been taught the biblical values. Maybe they've never learned how to walk out some of the biblical principles. So I know sometimes I'd be saying that, and not everybody be included in the statement. But as a whole, I want to say this. It's one of the things that I'm most proud about the way we love our community, the way you serve other people. Generosity is more than money. Again, it's a culture, it's an atmosphere, it's a spirit. And the way you, you reach out, you look out for someone else, the way you are financially generous, uh, it's a joy to be your pastor because of this value, and this is a value we want to preserve. You know, when you say the word generosity, the truth is your mind automatically goes to, okay, the pastor is, is doing a fundraiser. The pastor's gonna talk about money. You, you think only in terms of dollars and cents. It's one of my favorite stories to tell is uh, when I was uh, on a date with my daughter, Lainey Kate, and I, I just, I, she was generous toward me, and so I, I was like generous toward her, you know, and and, and I just remember it like yesterday, she just out of nowhere, she was, it was a few years ago, she was still pretty young and she's like, just driving out of nowhere, she just said, daddy, I love you. And I'm like, well, baby girl, I, I love you too, you know? And then I just thought I would mess with her a little bit. I said, yeah, well, you love me, but one day you're gonna leave me. One day you're gonna bring this hairy leg brother up in our house to meet me and I'm not gonna be into him that much, but uh, you're gonna fall in love and you and that brother are gonna leave me. So there was a big awkward silence in the car as we drove along and she had her wheels turning thinking about now how could all this work out? And in a minute she said, Daddy, I, I know how we can do it. She said, I tell you what, I'll, I'll get that guy, but, but we'll just move in with you. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, 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 that's not gonna work. And as funny as that is, and it's, it's one of my favorite stories to tell because I remember it like yesterday and all my kids are getting older, but I, I think it's sort of like us with God. I love you, God, but, you know, I, I think maybe this is how it should work out. You know, like I could kind of have that and this, and, and, and maybe I won't have to do this, but I could do that. And when it comes to generosity, Usually what I find is that we're thinking about dollars and cents. We're thinking about how much do I give in the offering. We're thinking about words like tithing and God's thinking about things like trust. God's thinking about things like control. God's, God's wanting us to find words like Lord. He's our Lord, meaning he's also Lord over every area of our life, including our pocketbook. He's, he's after a much deeper, because see, he really doesn't need dollars and cents. He, he does desire our hearts. And if we're gonna walk with him, he's gonna begin to press really to the deeper issues. You know, over the years at Milestone, talking about resources, talking about generosity, I, I can truly say this, there were times where there were big faith steps that we were taking, but generally along the way, God would would give me indicators, and especially as we grew, I would be like, I know God's gonna provide for our next step, but I, as a pastor, would always wanna make sure that I'm talking about people's involvements and help people get engaged because I knew that if every person doesn't touch that value that as a pastor, one day you look up and you haven't helped people become who God's called them to be. I know people pop off and say sometimes, why is the church talking about money? Jesus talked about it all the time. 
And why did Jesus talk about it? More than money, he talked about your time. He talked about your talents. He talked about burying the treasure that he gives you and hiding it. He, he would use the, the very parable that I'm using about a field and a treasure and buying it and joy. It has all to do with this monetary system that we live in, but God's really always talking about much deeper things as he walks with us. I wanna give you, we're gonna take a little journey together I'm gonna show you some of the ways you've been generous as a church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you about some, some things that happen in your life, but I feel like we need to first get started if we're gonna talk about generosity, which our church is, and I want every person to be. I wanna also tell you everything I'm gonna teach you in this message, I teach my own children. I talk to them about. Why would I teach my own children some principles and precepts and things that I see all the way through the Bible, just like the other values, and not give them to you as your pastor. I, I want you to know, we're gonna take a little journey together, but before we can take the journey, I really feel like, because there's so many people so far from this, you gotta know some basics. What are some of the basics of understanding generosity? Well, well here's some that you have to get. First place, number one, you have to believe God owns it all. You have to believe that God is your source. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I remember at our Keller campus, when we were moving to our 54 acre campus that we're on now, and we used to be in a, in a grocery store behind Taco Casa, that's the house of the taco. I remember for about a two and a half year period driving around with verses in the Old Testament. I love Psalm 50, I love verses in Leviticus where there's multiple places where God will say, the land is mine, the earth is mine, the cattle are mine. And I love it when God, he doesn't have to, but I love it when God will be like, yeah, and that's mine, and that's mine, and you're mine, and this is all God's. And so I just kinda had it on the dash of my car because you know, where I find that I get in trouble is when I think I'm my source, when I think I'm my provider, when, when I think that, you know, it's like they have this and I need that or I don't see this in my possession, but it so gives me confidence when I keep reminding myself, no, wait a minute, that's God's and that's God's and that's God's and everything is God's and so it may not necessarily be something that's in my purview right now, but it's all in God's. The earth is his footstool. And as long as you believe you own your business, you own your money, you made yourself, you control your destiny, you can have whatever it is that you want. If you believe you are, you'll never live like this. The only way you live like this is if you say, you know what, I'm a steward and God's the owner. Here's the second thing that I find that you have to know. Jesus is after our hearts and our hearts are connected to our money. You know, I remember when I was a kid one time, my mom asked me to water her flowers and I had a garden hose and I was around there, you know, and I'm watering her flowers and all of a sudden the water, there was no water and I ran back around to the other side and my, my, my sister had the hose kinked. You know what I find? That God's after our hearts and sometimes we'll find the hose kinked a little bit because it's one way of God kind of showing us as, as he's looking for us to be conduits, sometimes the hose gets a little kinked and we're reminded, oh, wait a minute, I'm not my source. 
God is the source. God is after my heart. He has plenty of source, but sometimes we see some kinks in the hose, which makes us start to reflect, where's it all coming from anyway? Did you know Jesus is after our hearts? In fact, he says, don't store up for yourself all your treasures here, because here is gonna go by pretty fast. Don't just fill up every storage building you can with all of your stuff. Keep having a mindset of what's happening in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And he makes the phrase, where your treasure is, in Matthew chapter six, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I was 23 years old, I bought some Walgreens stock. You know, and my, my financial advisor was like, Jeff, you don't need to buy individual stock, just invest in your 401k, you know, buy IRA, whatever. And I just like, I want to do it. And so I bought some Walgreens stock. And you know what was amazing? After I bought that stock, my wife took me down to Walgreens in, in the next week or two, and I'm walking around thinking, man, who's in charge of these end caps? <laughs> who paints that wall? Who, who, Did you know I instantly moved from I'm a consumer at Walgreens to now, wait a minute, I bought $50 worth of stock. I'm a full-blown owner. And isn't that interesting how Jesus knows that, that he's getting to our heart? You know, generosity is one of those things that I'm gonna tell you, I've been walking with Jesus since I was 12 years old. I still have to be challenged in it, where God will challenge me to say, Jeff, Are you being convenient? Are you being generous? Because generosity only comes when the heart is challenged and tested to go kind of beyond what is easy, normal, or convenient. You know, Jeff, I want you to give some time in an area that's gonna hurt a little bit. I want you to give some resources here for a minute where you're gonna have to trust me to provide for you. Jeff, generosity, it's not the normal bent of the human heart. The human heart is safety preservation. And when it comes to money, you know what I've learned? There's no amount that makes you feel safe or secure. If you make those numbers, and by the way, I'm preaching to somebody, including myself, the more you are a steward, the more in danger you are of having a religious experience with money where you actually think you're more generous than you are and you actually begin to worship those those dollars. What God always does with you is he goes, hey, let me press that a little bit. Let me mess your plan up a little bit. Let me, let me talk to you about this cooperation of really trusting me. Can I ask some of you this? When's the last time you really had to trust God? Those are good times when you get to that place. So God works on the heart. It's not about the dollars and the cents. That's basics when you use the word generosity. The third thing is tithing is the beginning. Malachi chapter 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What's the whole tithe? It's 10%. If you make $50,000, then 5,000, it's easy math, 5,000 is the tithe. When my kids start working, they may only make $100 on mowing the yard or doing this or some type of activity. If they get $100, then I'm talking to them right off the bat from when they're real little, $10 belongs to God. All my kids know that. If I start talking to them whenever, I wanna know, okay, did you, they already know, first fruits belong to God, 10%. It's easy math. And you say, Jeff, why do you teach your kids that? Because the younger you learn this principle, the more it becomes part of your life. We actually think the more I have, the easier it will be to obey. But the fact of the matter is, the longer you go without participating in God's plan, the more callous your heart gets, the more you have to protect, and the harder it is to obey God. 
So let me say to some of you young Christians, start now. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Jesus affirms that statement in Matthew 20, 20, 23, 23, where he talks about the tithe. But the fact of the matter is, it's a principle throughout scripture. The book of Leviticus says it's a holy tenth. And what I've found is most people sitting listening to me don't have a problem with the number or the math. What really is the challenge is back to this same old fear issue, this challenge with, you don't tithe 3%. This is one area of Christianity where it's not, it's not subjective, it's pretty black and white. You don't tithe 4%, it's not a tithe until it's the first tenth, and yet you look at that and you're like, that is crazy. That doesn't make sense. And that's why the Bible says, treasure heart. Did you know there's a lot about, let me, let me tell you, there's a lot about this Bible that doesn't make sense. Let me give you one that's probably harder than tithing. Someone wrongs you, someone steals from you, someone mishandles you, and you know what the word of God says? If Jesus has forgiven us, we have to forgive them. I remember times in my life where I was severely mistreated, and I can think of a few where it was like, I don't wanna do that. Forgive someone that's hurt you? It's like, man, I wanna get revenge. I wanna deal with that or, or whatever. It, the Bible actually says, if I don't forgive, then I'm the one who's tormented. So, so just so you know, a lot of times we get hung up on the money thing because it's so individualized, it's so personalized, and it's emotional and spiritual. That's why we get keyed up about it. But the reality is, it's in all areas of just walking with Jesus, there's gonna be counterintuitive things if I don't forgive, then I live in torment. And the Bible actually says in Malachi here, there's actually a blessing. He'll open the windows of heaven and bless you. There's also a place where God's not blessing what you're doing. By the way, that's always my question with any subject in the Bible. Not what do I think? What do I feel? Now, I don't always do what I should. I sometimes am led by my feelings, but anytime you're led by your feelings that do not get in subjection to the word of God, you're robbing yourself from the blessing and the favor of obedience to God. And so the reality is, my biggest question always is, not what do I think, not to what my uncle say, but what does God bless? Do you know what the one thing God blesses? He blesses the tithe. Not just financially, he blesses the heart behind, God, this is what you said, that settles it, I'm gonna do what you've asked me to do. And I always love to interject this because a lot of times people get into the blessing and cursings of Malachi, because it does talk about you be blessed or cursed. You know, you know, something will happen to you, the devil will break your washing machine. You know, you gotta blah, blah, blah. Well, that may be true, but I think the bigger narrative of Malachi is it says, that the whole message of the Old Testament is who's the true and living God because in this tribal culture they had multiple gods and everything about the Old Testament is to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so the covenantal God would produce Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate message of the whole Bible. And what I think is interesting that a lot of people miss is in this prophetic set of passages, Malachi actually says that because you have robbed God, they say, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. He makes it real clear, it's not hard. But you know what really the message is? Because of that, the foreign nations say, 
it's vain to worship your God. Can, can I say something that may be a little strong? I've been a little strong in this series. If we don't believe in our God enough to give a minimum of 10% to his causes, to his glory, which by the way, tithing is the starting point of generosity because you're actually returning something to him. You're returning back to him what's already his. So you can't be generous with something that's not yours. He owns all of it, but he asked for 10. If we don't believe in his message enough to obey him with that, then how could we say to the world around us that doesn't know God, our kids, our grandkids, hey, you should worship this God if we don't believe in his message enough, in his character enough, in his desire of us enough to give a minimum of that. That's actually what the real message of the Malachi Tithe passage is. I always think of it in a joke though. I used to have ice cream Fridays with my kids. And so we'd get ice cream. I'd pick them up from school, pass ice cream. And of course, dad's got to get the tithe. It's the joke in our family. So every ice cream that came through, I got my little tithe. And it was funny how they would react. They'd be like, as soon as I started licking on the ice cream, now I may have got them triple scoop, double scoop. You can get more than mom wants you to have. But there was always a feeling inside of them that if I took a little bit, then they were gonna get, and it was like, ah, ah, ah. And, they, and I, I would jokingly say to them, look, there's plenty. I buy you this every Friday. You were able to get as much as you want, but you know, I bought the ice cream. Isn't it interesting how we feel like, man, God asks of this, this, but yet he continues to be generous to us. Tithing is an exercise, it's a spiritual and biblical principle that consistently reminds me that this, this is the God that I worship, this is the God that is my provider, this is a, the God that wants my heart over my money. It's a routine exercise that keeps reinforcing that in my life. Here's number four. Generosity grows out of your obedience to the word. Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Bring your first fruits and then he'll fill your barns. Look, I don't believe we give to get, but isn't it interesting so many times in the Bible, God knows what we're scared of because we think if we give, we get less. So he keeps coming going, hey, I'll fill your barns. He also uses verses like, give and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I'm gonna read a verse later in the message. Isn't it interesting that he knows our thought process to give to him means I have less, but you show me one person who's lived their life consistently obeying and honoring God. Is everything always up and to the right? No, but I will say this, there's no way any person who's lived their life generous and obedient to God who I've ever heard the testimony well, you know what? God's just a taker. Did you know at the very nature of God, he's a giver. He gave his son. He gave us the breath we have. He gives us all things to richly enjoy. Everything that we have in our life that is a good gift comes from God. And I always love to say this milestone. You know why people, when they show up here, they go, I feel something different. It's a combination of these values. But did you know one thing people experience? They experience this this good and generous God being expressed through a generous group of people who are desiring to share him with other people. Let me tell you, that's magnetic. It's transformational because you never look, hear me, you never look more like God than when you're generous. You never look, because why? One of his character and nature key traits is he's the giver of all life. 
He's the giver. But at the end of the day, you go, Pastor, I believe this. Pastor Jeff, I see it, but I've not really done it. I would say when you boil it all down, I don't know if there's any bottom line people out there, but I just sometimes go, let's just get to the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. I've done Bible studies with people and we've looked at it and looked at the word and they're like, man, that's in the word and that's exciting. And and, and, and they just say, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Did you know there's a lot of people who will live with far less of God's plan for their life because they're not willing to just do it. But you go, what's the real root? The real root, like forgiveness or any other obedient step, making disciples, reaching to your neighbor, any value we've talked about, God's word says it, that settles it. I'm gonna do it afraid because God's word says it. And here's what I know. When we obey God at the truth of his word, we have faith in what his word says and we do it. Really, the truth is every kingdom principle, we look back and say, God, you're really smart. But after surveys and studies and almost 30 years of pastoring people, it really just simply boils down to, do I trust the word or do I trust my logic? Do I trust the word or do I trust my uncle who's filled with unbelief, who shares with me stuff? Do I trust the word or do I read what's on the internet? Do I trust the word or do I do my math? Do I trust God or do I trust myself? And that's why the Bible says you can't worship both God and money. One of the two. You either worship God and you trust him or you trust money, which makes for a very poor God. It's a good tool, but a very poor God. So generosity starts at, God, I'm gonna hear your voice, the words the top way we do, I'm gonna do what you say. Here's number five. Five, these are basics. The highest level of generosity impacts eternity. You know, the book of Romans says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed, and how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard Get this, see the progression. And how can they hear without someone preaching the message to them? And here it is. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Talks about how beautiful are the feet that carry this good news. You know, ultimately the whole Bible is about a lost and broken humanity who God loves and he wants to redeem and save. If he's come to save your life, to save your child, to redeem your family, to to bring back into his goodness the brokenness of your life, if you've experienced that, you have one response. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for touching my child. Thank you for your goodness. All of us, if you've received that, you're just so thankful. And you know what the natural response is? I want it for somebody else. I want them to experience that because it's so changed you. And you and I are here today receiving from that message because there was a pattern started by Jesus in the very beginning of one generation, one group of people paying it forward to another group of people. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We're able to receive the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus gave it to some disciples. The disciples gave it to the early church. When we read our Bibles, the New Testament, right here in Romans, Paul's talking about it. And then I don't know if you know this, but Paul did a lot of support raising. We're like, well, the preacher's always taking up an offering. Don't read the New Testament. 
The Apostle Paul was raising support from churches. I don't know if you know, but the Philippian church, the Macedonian churches gave to start the Corinthian church. And then when we read all those giving passages, we're gonna read one later here in a minute, the, the giving passages. Well, the Corinthian church was being exhorted by Paul to help the Jerusalem church and group of people. And, and, and you know what? That's what I love about you, Milestone, is there's always here. We don't wanna lose this. There's always been here. If you're new to Milestone, there were people that loved you before they met you. There's always been a group of people who have read the Bible and said, hey, we're actually part of this one group of people giving so another group of people can hear, so another group of people can change, so their kids can come to know Christ. I'm I'm excited to be celebrating 20 years because I'm watching my friends baptize their kids. I'm thankful that there was a group of people early on who gave so that some parents could get reached, so their kids could get saved, And I just wanna say it directly about generosity. I appreciate good causes. I believe that the church, and the church is, the the, the church of Jesus Christ, I know we get a bad rap, but hospitals and and colleges and universities and good things in our culture have, have have sprung out of the fountainhead that is the church of Jesus Christ built around the person of Christ. But I do wanna say this, there's a lot of good causes but the holistic cause in the earth is Jesus Christ's church. It's, it's his church, it's holistic. The dad can be reached, but then dad can bring mom and mom can bring kids and kids can bring grandparents. And, and we saw that not too long ago, a granddad bringing a daughter who got saved. See, they can all come, but, but here's the point of generosity. I appreciate philanthropy. I appreciate being a generous person and anything good's ultimately from God anyway, but, but I'm kind of a maximizer of my leveraging of my resources. And, and I just wanna say it, that we've gotta be careful in today's world where we're funding a lot of good stuff but doesn't make an eternal impact. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ preached through the church is the eternal impact that is made So I'm thankful to pastor an eternally minded church that gives not just for buildings and programs and missions and things we do, but with the ultimate purpose that every person may have the opportunity to hear the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to impact their eternal destiny for generations to come. I wanna show you from this last year some of the ways you have served, once again, beyond comprehension, our community, our church, looking back a little bit, even over 20 years, the ways you've made an impact, I want you to watch it with me right now. As we celebrate 20 years of reaching people and building lives this year, I've had a lot of time to reflect on the impact that you, the people of Milestone Church, have made over the years. Through your generosity, this has been the biggest year of impact yet. 
I think back to those first few years when we started the church. I guess one of our first missions outreaches was Jeff standing in the middle of Keller Parkway holding a sign up to invite people to come to church. I even grabbed some women around me and had a small group at a local fast food restaurant. We met while the kids ate chicken nuggets. You know, it might sound funny now, but back then there were just a few of us and we rallied together however we could to serve the people of our area. Then God started adding more people and resources, and we were able to do a shoe drive for children with family challenges just down the street at Christ Haven for Children. And then we went downtown and fed homeless people and started rallying around and serving our single moms and even other local pastors. There was a church in our area who needed chairs for their worship center. So because of your generosity, we got to invest in them by providing chairs. In 2008, we started reaching people beyond our local community by sending a small team just across the border to Matamoros, Mexico to help build a church there and pour into the local pastors. And then in 2011, our Elevate students raised over $100,000 to build two orphanages in India. And these middle and high school students raised more money to actually go to India and love on those kids and attend the ribbon cutting for those orphanages. Then fast forward to 2017, when we had our first official serve day, which has become one of my favorite things that we do all year long. In the five years we've been doing serve day, we've seen over 12,000 volunteers serve on almost 700 service projects at our Keller, Haslett, McKinney, and online campuses, like clearing every code violation in our city, cleaning up our local parks, and providing haircuts for the homeless, and one of my favorites, throwing baby showers for single moms. I look back on all these years and I think about two things, God's faithfulness and your heart to serve. Each year we've been able to do a little bit more. And as God has added more people, we've had more opportunities to serve our region in a greater capacity. In the past 20 years, we've served 4,000 single moms and widows with Christmas gifts valued at over three and a half million dollars. This year, we were able to send four single moms and their kids on an all expense paid vacation. Honestly, I did not realize how much of an impact it was going to have on the boys and I. This is our first trip as a family of three, and it allowed us to connect on a completely different level. It also allowed me to be a kid again in a way, and I got to have a week free of stress and just have fun. And I can't even really remember the last time I just had fun with the boys. It's something that we'll never, ever, ever forget. Through your generosity, we're also able to provide many ongoing services to single moms and widows like college tuition assistance, lawn care, scholarships for financial foundations, and camps and backpacks, and school supplies for their children. Throughout the years, the people of Milestone have served over 7,400 teachers through outreach gifts and gift cards. People like Erin. We are so grateful for all of the things that we have been provided by Milestone Church. From snack bags for students who are food insecure, to supplies for teachers that were still waiting to get in their boxes, from prayers, love, and lunches. Thank you for everything that you have done for us. Our teachers feel the love and we are so thankful. As new families have moved to the area, we've been able to deliver 11,000 welcome boxes to bless them and let them know that there is a church who cares about their family. And during the Christmas holidays, we have adopted over 600 families and senior citizens in need. Another one of my favorite events of the year 
is the fairy tale ball for families who have children with life-threatening illnesses. We have dinner, princes and princesses, and a DJ with dancing, a Cinderella carriage, and rides. This year, we had 250 in attendance. And so many of their parents would come back and tell us that for their child, this was more amazing, wonderful, special than, than Disney World, because this was probably the most uh, magical night of their entire life, even if it was just for one night. Serve Day this year was our best one yet. 3,700 volunteers served on 245 projects all over our region. We completely remodeled a teacher's lounge at a local elementary school, built bunk beds for families in need, hosted free car washes, and our skilled projects team built ramps for elderly war veterans, providing easier access into their homes. We also have a ministry devoted to providing care and community for veterans and active military personnel, hosting an annual veteran celebration and ongoing groups to meet practical needs. We've hosted a first responders appreciation dinner to honor our police officers, firefighters, and emergency medical service personnel. Milestone's reach goes beyond our local community. Our global impact is still happening today. We've helped plant 500 churches sent hundreds of volunteers and medical and dental professionals on mission trips and supported 150 missionaries in countries all over the world with one goal, to bring hope to a hurting world and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I never get tired of hearing these stories. I am overwhelmed by the way you love people. I could be here all day telling you story after story of people that have been impacted, first by the love of Jesus, but also by your generosity. I've said for a long time, and I believe it now more than ever, that we're better together. Thank you, Milestone Church, for loving and serving our region and beyond in these past 20 years, and I can't wait to see what God has in store for the next. So I have to tell you, as a pastor, you know, when we look back on the missions projects, the people helped, the things within a calendar year that you do, that your generosity makes possible, I'll, I'll tell you transparently, every time I look at it all, I, I know a lot of it, and I'm still, when I look at it all together, just truly amazed. And that's always been the case. No matter what size we were or where we were at, we were always looking to see if our generosity, not just the numbers of people, not just the numbers of things we were doing, but did our generosity increase? And I can tell you transparently as a pastor, yes, our church has gotten bigger, but I believe the heart of our church every year has gotten bigger, and I know our generosity has always grown every single year, and uh, in times of crisis, too, I look back on the last few years, uh, people showing up for serve day in the middle of a crisis that's going on globally and helping people with water during an ice storm, and here's what I know about you. I don't even have to program it. We have this in the value culture of our church that you are gonna move to action toward generosity whenever our community or wherever our campuses are because that's who we are. Let me give you some application for some of you who maybe haven't thought about living this way with your money, with your time, with your talent. You know, And people will ask me too, Jeff, is generosity time or is it money? I always say do the one that hurts. If you're the most scared here, then do that one too. So I would say though, in our area, money is one of those places 
where it's really can be a God because we live in an upwardly mobile, successful kind of financial stewardship culture. So the Bible stories like, hey, it's never rained, build an ark. Um, you know, those stories, you know, like dead people coming back to life, like step out of a boat and walk on the water. Those mess with our culture. And if you really read the Bible, stewardship is a big message in the Bible, but so is, so is faith and so is trust and so is listen to God. And, and, and really at the end of the day, God's gonna call you at times to step out. Why? Because money is spiritual. The Bible says not money is evil, but the love of money. Did you know love is a spiritual word in the Bible? Love God with all your heart. Love is not a cultural emotion. It's, it's actually a trait of God that actually moves us to action. So it's spiritual. And, and so let me give you a spiritual concept. The second thing is he supplies seed to the sower. It doesn't say he supplies seed to the hoarder. Did you know there'll never be a number that'll make you feel safe or secure, and yet you have to plan and you have things in your life that you steward and saving and giving an inheritance to your children. Children is part of the Bible, but I would also say that you need to constantly be evaluating not just your storehouse, but your seed house, your seed planting, because 2 Corinthians 9 says he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Did you know improper appeals from pastors? We here at Milestone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to this moment on our 20th anniversary. We have an annual miracle offering and we're, we're expanding buildings and giving, but I don't spend a lot of time on a week-to-week basis doing 10-minute offering messages. And I, I don't do a lot of pressing. I preach the Bible, so I cover these topics. Quite honestly, our church is generous. I don't have to consistently, it's like on Teacher Appreciation Weekend, I didn't have to take up a special offering. We just moved on special needs in our community because you are generous. However, I think it's important that we know that we come to moments where God wants us to come to those, and that's what's great about being in a church that's moving forward, that's reaching people. We love the momentum of a life-giving atmosphere, but it's also produced by a consistent process of being re-surrendered to God in this area too, not just the other areas. And, and, and so what I would say is, I don't have to make improper appeals. I wouldn't do it anyway. But improper appeals is where you feel like God's asking for your food. That's not what this verse says. God gives us the food. God gives us the ability to take care of our families. But he does say this. He gives you bread for food, but seed for sowing. Now, when you get that, okay, God's providing my needs and he's providing my bread. It says, I'll supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So why? You'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. Is it, could it be said that God's like, why would I supply more seed to someone who doesn't plan on being generous on every occasion? And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, which is ultimately the real blessing when you watch a baptism weekend at any campus and you're like, I, I thank God I got to be a part of that. I was a part of that by way of my generosity. And so that's God's message to us. You say, Jeff, how do I test that? Well, I'll give you a little test. Always make sure that as your ability to enjoy things in life, nothing wrong with it, but as your ability for God to give you more food, more blessing, 
more opportunity, more leisure, more blessing. Always make sure that as that's growing, your generosity's growing too. Because God gives us all things in life to enjoy. I'm not saying that, oh, God wants you to give everything you got and give it away to the church. That's not what God's saying. But I will say this, check your heart. So as your opportunity grows, as your blessing grows, as, your, as those things grow in your life, is your generosity growing? Because they should all be growing if we're followers of Christ and maturing along the way. Here's the final thing. Everyone loves to be around generous people. Generosity is magnetic. When people show up at Milestone, they're like, they're friendly, they're life-giving. You know, because of your generosity, this year, we gave away all the guides. They're really nice, they, they're, they're expensive, they're, they're beautiful, they're not cheap stuff. We gave them to everybody that wanted it. This series, I gave my book away to everybody that wants it. We're giving everybody on our anniversary weekend a T-shirt. You know, you can say, I was there, I got the T-shirt. Why can we do all of that? Because generosity is, is something that continues to compound. As you're more generous, you're able to be more generous and you're a generous people and, and you know what? You want that to mark your life. You want it to mark your family. You want it to mark your children. These are open-handed people. The Bible says the generous will prosper. The Bible says the generous are people that refresh others and they themselves are refreshed. And that's why I love being your pastor is, you know another verse I really love? Generous people are actually devising ways to be more generous. And we as a church are looking at, we're looking at schools over the next, few, next little bit. We're devising ways to be more generous because God gives seed to sowers and generous people are, are people that people wanna be around and people come here and they're like, they're friendly, they're life-giving. Generosity is part of that value. It's, it's one of the things that make up the culture of our church. I, I go all the way back 20 years ago, there was a group of people who had sold their homes, moved, we needed a sound system, and just put yourself there. They were scared, there was, there was a lot of unknowns. Many of them hadn't even found places to live. And uh, we needed money for a sound system to have our first service, and it was just that group of people. And they gave several thousand dollars to, to buy a sound system, and we were able to have church. We were in Willis Lane, we had a thousand people, we were growing, we wanted to reach more people for Jesus. And, our church, at that time, there was a group of people gave our annual budget to buy the grocery store behind Taco Casa. And, and then where we are today, like our campus in McKinney and the new campus in Hazlitt and the Keller campus, there were all people who made those steps. The Keller campus, 54 and a half acres, there was a one weekend offering where our church gave $2.2 million in one offering so we could come and buy the land to then start construction. And did you know that that continues on? I wanna say this too, because a lot of people think it's buildings or missions. Every year in building buildings, our, our regular operating ministry budget has increased and also our missions giving has increased. So it's not an either or. We've been able to do more in the community, take care of more people, minister to more people, and it's really ultimately because of the spiritual growth of the people of Milestone. A lot of times churches are 20% of people do 80% of it. You know why I don't wanna pastor that church? 
Because 80% of the people are always feeling condemned, shame, and not feeling connected to the vision. Why do I want you to sow, be generous? I want you to feel a part of what God's doing. And that's why we take the steps that we take the way we do. We're coming up on 20 years, we're gonna have a big celebration, but we're having a big weekend. And I just wanna encourage you, this is a vital step for our church. We're at the final, final stage of our Keller Campus project. Um, we're adding, we've added services, yet we are, are, are in, the, in the middle of growth. We've, we honestly, we had over 200 people in the commons uh, back in August. We've gotta get these seats opened. Um, I'm so thankful to you. We started this project. We paid cash for the parking. We've paid cash for everything up to this final step along the way. Now, we, now we're getting to these, this final stage uh, we set out a goal of $5 million as a gap to, to get us to $20 million. Uh, all of you are living with the world of inflation, and we've had some different things that have somewhat increased. We, we, I'm thankful for our team that we, were, we signed uh, contracts and stuff early in the process that saved us millions of dollars. But, but quite honestly, we're just trying to get the project over the finish line. And so we set out with a $5 million need, a, a fill the gap, if you will, and I'm excited to announce that our church has already given a million dollars toward that five million. So we're believing to close that four million dollar gap. And so what we're gonna do November 12th and 13th, I'm asking you what I've always asked you to do. I want you to pray, pray as a family. This is where the spiritual step happens. Pray and ask God, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? I know that's a dangerous prayer to pray, but ask him what he wants you to do step out in faith, us come together as a church. If everyone that calls Milestone Church home, and I would love for us on this 20th anniversary, not just the money, but as many people to participate, because that's, if you're here and, and experiencing Milestone, you're, you're, you're reaping the benefit of a culture that's done that multiple times. Every person participating, young and old, new, saved to mature Christians, and if we tap beyond obligation to generosity, we'll pay this thing off, we'll take our next step, we'll reach more people for Jesus, and we'll have an amazing 20-year celebration and a milestone moment. I want you to know that I'm honored to be your pastor and I'm excited about what God will do. Lord, I thank you today that the most generous thing that you gave us is your son Jesus. If there's one person who doesn't know you, I'm gonna ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if one person here says, I don't know Jesus, then he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You can say, Jesus, come into my life. I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept you today. And second of all, Lord, I pray against the cultural worldview of selfishness, self-preservation, worshiping money, worshiping our plans, Lord, we ask that something would happen in the spiritual realm. You would break that in our, even within our church that is so generous. And Lord, as we're seeing a revival of salvations, we're seeing a revival of, of discipleship and spiritual family and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a setting our hearts on these things. Lord, we would see you move in, in the area of generosity as well, that we might say that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we could ever ask or think in Jesus' name, amen.